Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's Praise God. Well, I'm excited today. Uh, I'm going to be teaching on, I'm going to be continuing my message on moments. And uh, today's message is entitled, uh, One Moment with Jesus and Face to Face. I'm excited about to get uh, continuing with it. Uh, So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you have your phone, you can go ahead and turn that on. And uh, go ahead and get your app out. Hopefully you have the app, uh, at least the app. (laughs) John chapter 8, and we're going to start our reading at verse 1. I'm excited about today. It's getting warm. I'm hoping hoping that it starts to get cold. I'm more of a winter kind of person. I'm not into the heat. I don't like sweating. I don't like any of that. So I am ready for summer to be gone and and spring, and I just want some winter. Amen? All right. (laughs) John chapter 8, starting off at verse 1, it says this. And uh, we'll start off at verse 2, actually. Now, early in the morning, he came uh, into the temple, and all the people came, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, the very act. Now Moses in the law commands that such should uh, should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him of. But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear them. Verse 7. But when they had continued asking, he arose and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, began to get convicted uh, by their conscience. Uh, They went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to the least. And Jesus was left alone. And when the woman was standing in the midst, when Jesus had rose himself up, he said to her, Woman, where are those who accuse you? Has no one condemned you? She said to him, No one, Lord. And Jesus answered and said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Father, we just come before you. We just thank you for today. We thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your graces that are new every single day. Your your love that surpasses all of our understanding. And we just can't comprehend how much you love us. You sent your son to die on the cross for us. And we we are so grateful. And there's nothing we can do to repay that, Lord. We thank you for your love. I declare today it's all about you, that you would speak through my lips, that you would think through my mind, that it would be all of you and none of me, Father. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Something that kind of sticks out to me in this this passage that we've been reading here is that Jesus was not surprised when they brought her. He he wasn't surprised when they said, this woman was caught in adultery, the very act. He wasn't like, "Oh, oh my gosh, the horror, the shame in it all. He was not surprised at all. Jesus isn't surprised at sin. Let me put it this way. Dogs bark, lions roar, and sinners sin. (laughs) That's what it is. 
So Jesus was not surprised when they brought her and said, this woman's a sinner. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't mad at her. He didn't kick dust at her. He didn't do any of that. He just began to write on the ground. See, have you ever been to another country and drove? I went to Mexico with Pastor, and he was speaking. So we were driving in Mexico. And have you ever driven in Mexico? In some of the areas, it's like they have suggestions for rules. Like, it's not really rules. It's more like suggestions. There's lines, but, like, you can follow them or not. <laughs> and I remember, Pastor, I was in the backseat just watching everything. And Pastor goes, would you like to drive in Mexico? I was like, no way. <laughs> I am not trying to drive here or any other country. I'm good in, in, in America. But you know what's interesting? That the U.S. has 50% more accidents than any other country. Isn't that crazy? With all of our rules and regulations, we have 50% more accidents than most countries in the world. See, I was thinking about this, that in Mexico, although the rules are suggestive, they're expecting someone to come into their lane. They're expecting someone not to follow the rules, so they're looking for it. In California, we expect people to follow the rules. And so when someone veers over into our lane, oh no, we're, we're appalled, shocked, the horror that you would violate my lane by coming over. And we honk our horn, and then we pass them and we look like, what the, are you serious right now? I, I'm not the best at signaling. Alina gets on me all the time about putting your blinker on. Use your blinker. Turn your blinker off. And I, I just leave it on. I'm driving for miles. If you're ever behind me, just have patience. And, and, no. <laughs> but we are so upset at people when they decide that they're not going to use a blinker and they come over into our lane because that goes against our rules and our regulations. We're appalled at it. But in other countries, they expect it. So they're looking for it. They expect someone to break the law. They expect someone to not use their signals. They expect someone to come into their lane. So they're constantly aware, looking for it. Jesus wasn't surprised that the woman was caught in sin because he expected people to be caught in sin. He was looking for it. Yes, I know you're going to be. That's why I'm here. They, they couldn't understand this. They were surprised at it. As I was studying for this, this message, I was going through uh, you know, different websites and just researching information. And I came across this top uh, five favorite verses of the Bible. Anybody have their, their favorite verse in the Bible? No? Nobody has a favorite verse? Okay. Here's, here's the top five most famous, famous verses in the Bible. Number one. Five is this. Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. They shall run not weary. They shall walk and not faint. Is that anybody? You guys like that one? Good one. Number four, Romans 8, 28. For we know that those who love God and all that his works together, he works all things together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Verse th uh, number three, Jeremiah 29, 11. 
For I know the plans I have towards you, declares the Lord. Plans of welfare, not of evil. And to give you a future and a hope. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The number one most favorite verse in the Bible. Does anybody know what it is? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever... Keep going, come on. Very good. You guys know it. Now, I don't have a particular uh, favorite verse, per se. Like, I don't have one that's like, this is my go-to or this is my favorite. I have one that I'm kind of feeling right now. But I don't have like my favorite one. And I want to share it with you right now. It's John 3. Turn with me. John 3, 17. John 3, 17. It's right after John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then we jump down to verse 17. I don't, I don't feel like 17 gets enough play. Like, it doesn't get enough action. Like, people aren't like, yo, 17 is it. That's the one. Like, we need to be like, 17 is, is powerful. It's lit. John 3, 17 says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How awesome is that? That I know that God is not sending Jesus to condemn me. Because he understands that sinners sin. Now we know that once we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we are no longer sinners just saved by grace. We are a new creature, a new species of being. And now we've been removed from sin and grace, from, from death and, and, and sin. But yes, as Christians, we're still going to make mistakes. I mean, I can go down the line, past the mic, and we can talk about all the things that we've done wrong. And all the things that we're doing wrong now. Because we make mistakes. It's human nature. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up about it. But there's a way out. There's an answer. We have redemption. We have freedom through Jesus Christ. And it says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But that through him we could be saved. How beautiful is that? We can even take it a step further and go to Romans chapter 8. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. You guys doing okay with this heat? You guys ain't doing nothing. I'm the one up here. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> there is now no condemnation. You guys don't know what no means? It means nothing, none at all. You know, I feel like sometimes us as a society, we don't have a real understanding of the word no pertaining to some certain things. Like, uh, well, we use the word no, but we use it in, in different ways. Like, you ever had a, a woman say, I have nothing to wear? When they've got a closet full of things. Or maybe you've had a, a child and they say, I have no toys to play with. <laughs> I have nothing to play, he says. And I have to remind him of all the drawers and cupboards that are packed with toys and games and Nerf guns and, and fidget spinners and, and cars and, and, and Marvel toys and all these micro machines and Hot Wheels and all this stuff. But I have nothing to play with. 
So I think we have a warped understanding of, of no. Scripture says that there is no condemnation. When we are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. How beautiful is this? Romans chapter 3, verse 22, out of the Living Bible. I'm just going to read it for you. You don't have to turn there. It says this. But now God has shown us a different way to heaven, not by being good enough and trying to keep the law, but by a new way. Now God says he will accept us, acquit us, declare us not guilty if we trust Jesus Christ and he takes away our sins. This, it says that he, he declares us, he acquits, he acquits us, and he declares us not guilty. But I, I always think, like, how can this be? How could God, how could you say that I'm not guilty when, I, I mean, come on, God, I know the things that I've done wrong. Yeah, have you ever just been sitting and you're just in awe of how God works or how things can even be? And you're like, God, how can you say that I'm, I'm not guilty when I know what I did last week? When I know what I did yesterday? When I know what I did this morning? When I know what I did an hour ago? God, how can you declare that I'm not guilty? God, I know and you know that I've made some mistakes. And God is saying, do you, do you think I'm a liar? Do you think I don't know? See, I, I, if I declare you're, guilt, you're, you're not guilty, then you're not guilty. But God, how can this be? How can you declare that I am not guilty when I've, I know that I've done so many wrong things? I know that I've messed up. I've made mistakes. But he says, I, I can declare you not guilty because I made my son guilty. See, I can declare you not condemned because I condemned my son. See, I need to understand that although I may still feel the, the effects of the sin or the effects of the shame, the shame is no longer on me, no longer held to my account, that I'm no longer guilty of the sin because I laid it at the Father's feet. Because there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. We need to understand that there's a new way of living, and it's not about works. It's about accepting the finished work of Jesus Christ. I want to go back and, and, and go over the, the, uh, the story of this woman. Go turn with me back to John chapter 8. I want to just take a little time and kind of get into what's actually happening here. John chapter 8, verse 1. We'll start off at verse 2, actually. John chapter 8, verse 2. This is important. This is why this story is so important for us to understand because this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And if I'm trying to understand how God can not condemn me and call me not guilty, this story is so beautiful. Because it literally says that this woman was caught in the very act. So let's dissect this. It says uh, on verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 2, now, early in the morning, he came to the temple, and all the people came with him, and he sat down to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And they, said, and they set her in the midst, and they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, the very act. Now Moses in the law commands us that she should be stoned. 
But what do you say? Okay, so let's, let's break this down. It's early in the morning. Jesus is at church ministering. He's at the 9 a.m. service. Y'all are here, and someone busts open the door, dragging a woman who, they say, had just been caught in adultery. Do you think they allowed her to have time to get dressed fully? Do you think they gave her the modesty of covering her up? Or if they were willing to drag her through the streets to the temple and throw her in the midst of the people, that they really didn't care about her. So imagine how she felt. Imagine what is going on. This woman is being dragged through the streets and thrown in the midst of the whole congregation as Jesus is teaching. They're in church. It says the temple in early morning. 9 a.m. service. And she gets thrown in the midst of all the people. The, the service stops. And then they begin to just air her out. Just talk about all her junk. This woman is caught in adult in front of everybody. They didn't pull Jesus aside. They didn't stop the service and tell everybody to go home and then bring her in. No. In front of everybody, they de announce, declare that this woman's a sinner. She's been caught in adultery, the very act even. We need to stone her. She's laying on the floor, trying to cover herself up as everybody is now talking. Oh my gosh, this woman. Just shock and awe of everything that is going on. And they say, the law says that we need to stone her. These people didn't care about the law. They didn't care about the law. It wasn't even about the law. They didn't care about the woman. They, they didn't even care about the sin. Because if they cared about the sin, they would have dragged the guy in too. Because you can't be committed, you can't be caught in the very act of adultery if there's a man to go with it. So they, where was the guy? They didn't care. It wasn't about that. They were trying to catch Jesus. They were trying to trap him. So what was the trap? See, they understood that Moses commands us to stone somebody if they're caught in adultery. What do you say? So here's the, the trap. If Jesus says, yes, stone her, then that goes against Roman law at the time where they were not allowed to commit, they were not allowed to execute somebody unless Rome uh, uh, agreed to it. The second one is this. If he allows her to go, then he's going against Moses' law and the, what God spoke to Moses. So he's caught either way. They're trying to trap him. This woman is thrown in the midst of people in front of a man that she doesn't even know. There's nobody on her side. See, we in society, we think like stoning, that's so horrible. Why would you even, why does that even end the Bible? See, but when we understand stoning in the Bible, it gives us a little bit more information. Like right now, we would think it's uh, uh, just barbaric. Why would you do that? But when you understand what it was supposed to be, it makes a little bit more sense. And let me break it down for you this way. In the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it talks about this. This is where the law is. And it says, if a woman was, or a, a someone, not just a woman, if someone, if they were caught in adultery, both parties were brought before the elders and they would have witnesses. You had to have at least two witnesses, where, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word be established. They had to have two witnesses, two, who have seen the act who were there, they saw it, and they can testify against her or, or, or uh, speak against her. And then if she was found guilty, the witnesses then had the opportunity 
to bestow grace and mercy on them. Or if they did not choose to give them grace and mercy, then the witnesses, the two witnesses, had to stone them to death. See, no, no, you couldn't just accuse somebody and then step back and let somebody else do the job. You had to kill that person. And then if it came out that your witness was false, you were stoned to death. So there was a lot more that went into it. You know, there was more things that you could be stoned for. Stoned for. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says that an unruly child could be stoned. If your child was unruly, a glutton, a, a, a drunkard, did not uh, obey you, you could take them to the elders and stone them. Let me tell you that this, this act was more about favor and grace than it was about killing because it gave the person the opportunity to say, you know what, I forgive you. I, you've wronged me in so many ways, but I forgive you this. And more times in the scripture, we see people showing grace and mercy towards someone. Not stoning, not killing, and coming away better than, the, than, than how the situation was. But these men didn't care about that. There was just one woman brought to Jesus in the midst of church, and they wanted to stone her. And, and I love Jesus' response. It says that Jesus, through all this, it says he stooped down. Let's continue in verse 6. And they said to him, they said, testing him, that they might have something in which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear him. So what did Jesus write? Now, this is the question that has just been plaguing uh, biblical readers forever. Everybody wants to know, what did Jesus write? What was he writing on the ground? And there's no real understanding. We have no real, real uh, somewhere we can look to be like, this is what he wrote. But there's speculations about what he did write. The speculations are that he began to write the sins of each Pharisee on the sand. Because whatever he wrote... It struck the very Pharisees and Sadducees to the core that they ended up leaving oldest to youngest. So the speculation, it seems probable that he did begin to write the very sins. Maybe he wrote, wrote uh, um, drunker, a glutton, um, a backbiter, uh, you know, all the, every single thing. He wrote out sins and they connected with each person. He just began to write on the sand. And then he stands up and he declares this. Whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. And then he goes back to writing. It says his finger. He began to write. The very finger that wrote the law on the stone tablets on Mount Sinai began to write on the sand. as to say, I wrote the law and I know how to best interpret it. The very finger. <laughs> I mean, she's in front of the right person in this time. <laughs> And imagine how this woman felt. She's naked, alone, understanding that her life is now on the line. I see this incident three, three different ways. Either they literally did not care about her and just used her as a pawn, and there was no adultery, there was no sin, and she was utterly alone because there was no man. Or second, she was raped, and they set it up. So that they can accuse her of adultery. Or she wasn't adultery, but they didn't care about the man. 
They just wanted to use her. So this, this woman is now standing before Jesus, the congregation, and the Pharisees, and they're accusing her of something so horrible at, at that time. And she's alone, utterly. And she knows that her life is now in the hands of these men. Imagine how that must have felt to her. If she had children, she's just, just so wrapped up in her mind, her, her thoughts are racing. If I have children, this is it. I'm never going to see them again. I don't even get to apologize to my husband. I don't get to apologize to my family and ask for forgiveness for bringing shame to our name. I don't get any of that. I'm going to die right here. And she's got her eyes closed and she's completely just wrapped up in everything that is going on. Then her mind is ripped to the side as she hears Jesus' words. Whoever has sinned, cast the first stone. And what do you think she's thinking? I'm thinking a rock is going to come flying at my head right now. So she's got her eyes closed. Maybe she covers her face expecting a rock to come. She's scared. She's utterly alone. You have me my, my rocks. She's got... Y'all have your rocks? Did everybody get a rock when they came in today? They, everybody had a rock. They were ready. They came prepared to stone somebody. They knew what they wanted. It was never about the woman. It was about them catching Jesus. And they would go at any lengths to do it. Jesus declares, whoever has the first stone, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. And she's ripped from her thoughts as she hears these words. And she's waiting now for what feels like eternity for that first rock to hit. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're expecting something and so you're clenched up. You're hiding. Maybe you're covering your head. Your head's down. You're, you're expecting something to hit you. And as her eyes are closed, she's just anticipating this, this pain that is about to hit her. All she hears is, And one by one, rock begins to hit the floor as she's still covering her eyes. She's still in shame because of what is going on. She still feels utterly alone. Nobody's there to help her. She doesn't know who Jesus is. She doesn't know that he's on her side. She doesn't know him. She doesn't know he is the very personification of love. She doesn't know that he is the express image of the Father. And if the Father's not here to condemn us, then he's not here to condemn her. She doesn't know this. She just hears rocks begin to hit the floor. And then Jesus says, Woman, where are your accusers? I don't see anybody here. It's just you and me. And she begins, she looks up and face to face with Jesus. And she says, I don't know, Lord, they're gone. There is none. I don't know where they went, Lord. He says, there's none here to condemn you. And neither do I. See, we learn two amazing things here. He says, I don't condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. Hey, we, we learn two amazing facts here. The first one is that God is not condemning. But he's also not compromising. 
And a lot of times Christians today, we pick one or the other. We either are condemning or we're compromising with people. Like, oh, you guys are in sin and it's okay. I'm fine with it, you know. And, but Jesus, it says that he wasn't condemning, but he also wasn't compromising. And see, in Matthew, it says that they were upset with him. And they said, look at your, your teacher. He comes eating and drinking. He's a, a glutton. He's a wine-bibber. And he sits and has friends with sinners. And then later you would read where he says that he was separate from sin. See, sinners wanted to hang out with Jesus. It wasn't that Jesus was hanging out with sinners. Because he wasn't condemning, but he also wasn't compromising. They could be like, this guy really is about what he talks about. He's really about that life. He's not compromising, but he's also not condemning me. And a lot of Christians, we lean more towards the condemning. Look what you've done. She says that she's been caught in adultery. This person messed up. They messed up again, this person. The same thing over and over and over with them. Jesus says, woman, where are those who accuse you? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus says, neither have I. I, um, I need a, a volunteer. You want to help me? Okay, come here. I want you just to hold this rock just with your arm out straight. Just straight like that. Okay? Just hold it there until I say stop. As long as you can, just hold it there. All right. <laughs> Romans, we read Romans before. Romans 8.1. Go ahead and turn with me there again. It says this, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, God can declare you not guilty because he has the right to declare you not guilty because he sent his son, according to John three sixteen, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. So that we can release our guilt. So he can take our guilt, our shame, our pain. He took it on himself. So yes, God can declare us. You know that anybody that was there at that time that could have thrown a stone was Jesus. He's the only one that was without sin. He's the only one who could throw the stone, but he didn't do it. Because it says that he's, he's not here to condemn us. He's here to help us. For a lot of us, we... A lot of us in times in our lives, we've felt like the woman maybe. Maybe not that we're, committed, we're, we're, we're stuck in adultery, but there's something going on and we feel utterly alone in a situation. And we feel like everybody is against us. You doing okay? We feel like everybody is against us. Like there's nobody here to help us. I feel utterly alone. People are judging us. And a lot of times it's the Christians who are judging the ones that should be showing mercy and grace. And they're not doing it. And I feel utterly alone. I feel like I'm just this horrible person. And God is saying, I'm here to tell you that I love you. I see you right where you are. You're not alone in this. You're not alone. I'm here. I've sent my son to die on the cross for you so that you can be set free. Your arm okay? Is it hurting? Is it getting heavy? It is? Okay. You can let it go. You Okay. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Give her a hand. See, what happens is, you see, when she started, she was pretty good. And then it started going like this. 
like this, and this one like this. Why? Because the weight of the rock began to get heavier. See, sometimes we're the woman, but sometimes we're also holding the rock. Sometimes we're, we're holding a rock towards somebody in our life. But we're holding a rock because someone has hurt us in a way that we feel we can't forgive. So we're, we're holding this rock. See, this rock represents the pain that is in our heart, the betrayal in our life, the, the wrongdoing that someone has done to us. And now I'm holding a rock of judgment towards that person. And over time, that rock will just begin to get heavier and heavier, and it'll begin to hurt my heart and begin to hurt my very spirit and my soul because I'm not meant to carry rocks. I'm not meant to carry hurt and pain. I'm not meant to, to just harbor hurt and, and fear and anger towards somebody. I'm here to tell you today that God is calling you to, to let go of the rock, to drop the rock. That this isn't something that you're, you're, you're made to carry in our lives. First Peter says this. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Cast all your cares upon him. Not, not just give them, but cast them all upon him, on him. So he can carry it because I can't carry. I'm not, I'm not made to carry stones and rocks and, and all this stuff because it's too much for me to bear. Isaiah chapter 41, 13 says this. For, the, for I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not. I will help you. See, it's not always easy to let go of the rock. You've held this rock for so long that it's now a part of just who you are. That you, 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 I, I, I just know pain. That's all I know. Maybe it's a pain that happened when you were a child. You were molested. You were, you were taken advantage of. You were beaten. You were left alone. Your parents left you. Your dad left you. Your mom left you. There's pain in your heart, and you're like, I have this rock, and it's, just, it's now just who I am. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a spouse that left you. It's, it's a job that, was, uh, passed, uh, that, that got past you. All this stuff, we have these rocks, and the rocks just begin to pile on and pile on. Now we're, we're just carrying so many things in our lives. And God is saying, cast your cares on me. I, I, I'm the one that's going to carry those for you. It wasn't for you to carry. And the reason it hurts still is because it's not for you. I want you to know today that God loves you no matter where you are. And you're going through something, I get it. There's a hurt in your heart, there's a pain. And some of you are carrying these rocks and you've been carrying them for years. And I'm here to tell you it's okay to let it go now. It's okay. God understands where you are, He understands and He knows what you're going through. He doesn't want you to feel like you're alone. If you're online today, there's things that you're going through. There's hurts in your heart. And God is saying, come on home. Give me the rock. Let me carry it. I'll carry that pain. I'll carry that hurt. It's not for you to carry. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.